Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast with me, your host, Natalie Palmer. This week, I am on cloud nine. I am on STR cloud nine. I just got back from the short-term rental wealth conference in Nashville and it was life-changing. I am not saying that lightly. This week completely, I can a hundred percent say change the trajectory. Whoa, that's a big word. Trajectory of my entire career, both in actual STR hosting, as well as this whole other side that I've been embarking on involving education, course creation, uh, podcast hosting, all of that. And I really think of myself as a business owner of two businesses, the Airbnb hosting side, and then now this education side of things. And both of those businesses have I mean, I'm telling you, both of them have completely, completely changed. I have so many opportunities and things coming that I just, oh, you guys, it was so good. It was so good. And to anyone who was there who experienced it with me, I know you feel the exact same way. Every single person that I've talked to and all the connections I've made, it was a truly magical week. And I just am so happy to have been a part of it. Huge shout out to Miss Tatiana Taylor Tate, the one and only award winning designer and STR superstar and host. Uh, Tatiana was the one who told me about this, and if not for her, I don't think I would have found out about it or gone. It was such a last minute thing for me to go, and I think all the hotels and Airbnbs were already booked, and she let me tag along with her. And truly, my experience would not have been the same without her. So, Thank you, Tatiana. I love you. And so glad I finally got to meet her in person as well as everyone else I met. And on that note, there was a good handful of you that came up to me super shy and I don't know why, but there was a good handful of you that came up to me and were like, um, are you Natalie? I follow you on Instagram. And I was like, girl, why didn't you come over and say something sooner? Do not ever feel shy about me to those of you who came and said hi, like, Thank you so much. You have no idea how that made my day. So many of you told me that you've taken my course and listened to my podcast. And that was just so weird thinking that I host all of this and record out of my room. And there I was meeting people in person face to face. So those of you who came up and said hi to me, you truly do not know how much that meant to me and how much I just appreciate, I don't know, just being able to hug you guys and squeeze you in person. If you saw me and you didn't say hi to me, I'm mad at you. You should have come and said something. So if you're in that boat, send me a message and tell me why you were shy. Tell me what vibes I was giving off that made you feel like I was unapproachable because I don't ever, ever, ever want to come off that way in person. So if that was you, 
you owe me a message, you owe me an explanation, and I will give you a virtual hug over DMs because I still owe you one. Also, I feel like I'm still catching up on sleep. I think the entire four nights I was there, let's say I flew in Sunday, and then so Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, was it? Yeah, the four nights I was there, I slept probably 10 hours total across those four nights. Wednesday night, I literally did not sleep at all. We closed down Jason Aldean's. We left at 2.30 in the morning um, just because I... I don't even know why. It just was one of the best nights of my life. Oh my God, we had so much fun dancing there and just talking. You guys, it was so great. But we closed down Jason Aldean's at 2.30. I got back to the Airbnb at like 3 a.m. And then Tatiana woke up coincidentally when I got in and said, what the heck, you're still up. Then we talked for probably two hours straight. And then I looked at the time and said, I have to be at the airport in 30 minutes. What the heck? So... Yeah, I still have so much sleep to catch up on. I just feel like I'm, I don't know, like I'm on crack right now. Like it was so, so good and I'm just like so pumped. So anyway, today's episode is going to be broken down into kind of two parts. So my, the the big takeaways that I had from this conference. So I'm breaking it up into first the takeaways that I got from the actual speakers And then second is the takeaways that I got from just networking and meeting people. We're still going to have an Airbnb quick tip. We're still going to have a question of the week. And of course, I would never leave you without an Am I the Airbnb whole segment. So stay tuned all the way to the end. But right now, let's dig into these two big groups of takeaways. So again, what I got away from the speakers themselves, and then what I got away from my own sort of experience and what I took out of networking and just meeting people face to face. One of the big focuses of the conference was on automating and scaling and outsourcing. So there was a lot of focus on how to build a team so that you don't have to be working in your STR business, but rather you can be working on it. You can be wheeling and dealing and trying to find new deals, trying to grow your real estate portfolio, take on new arbitrage or co-hosting clients, whatever that might be. But focusing your energy more on that as a business owner rather than being the one who's cleaning and responding to guests and hiring your handyman and scheduling and all of that kind of stuff. Now, any of you who have taken my course or done a one-on-one with me or followed me for a while know that I am really big on this already. I really believe in remote hosting and I always say that hosting from afar is actually easier than hosting a place close to you. For this exact reason, when you adopt the mindset of being a remote host, you have to learn how to let go of control of some things and set things up to run without you being physically there and physically present. And I know a lot of us who are in the hospitality industry, we really want control. We do care about those little details and we often think to ourselves that no one can do it better than we can. And that's why I do say that remote hosting is easier because if you're hosting a place close to you and there is a problem, it is so tempting to just run over there and take care of it. Whereas when you're hosting a place from afar and you can't get there on short notice, you have to have that team in place and have systems and have everything running in a way where it's actually going to function without you being there. So I was very validated to see that these huge 
superstars in the short-term rental space were essentially saying the same thing that I've been teaching. So um, that was that was validating. But I still learned a lot, even though this is totally a philosophy I have adopted since, you know, pretty early on in my hosting journey, I still feel like I learned a lot from these experts. So just to quickly back up, I am not a note taker at all when I go to conferences or things like this. I just like to sit there and be physically present in the presence of these speakers. And the only time I will take notes is I will write one line down here and there when there is just a bomb of truth and knowledge dropped on me. So that's what I did here. And so on this topic, I actually only have three notes. So I'm going to just read these three lines that like I said, just just hit me like a like a ton of bricks. So one of the speakers said, you got into this business to have time freedom. So don't be scared to hire out your cleaning and your handyman. That resonated so hard with me because I know that most people who are getting into short term rentals have this vision of wanting to drop a nine to five and wanting to be able to have flexibility and work from home and just manage this in a few hours a week. And yet, when you start talking to hosts, they always say, no one can do this better than I can. I have to be the one who's doing cleaning. I have to be the one overseeing maintenance. You don't. You really don't. I mean, I'm not saying abandon the business altogether, but that line, you got into this business to have time freedom, so don't be scared to hire out cleaning and handyman. It is so true. So if you are one of these hosts who's been sitting there feeling like you're not able to give up that control yet, please hear that and write it down and let it sink in the same way that it hit me. And I already do outsource my cleaning and handyman, but I still catch myself time and time again thinking to myself when I visit my property or something, ugh, it's not as clean as I would like, you know, I could do this better. Let that go. I'm not saying drop all standards, but again, we just reevaluate why you got into this business. I'm pretty sure it's for the same reason most other hosts do. And that is to get back time with our families, with our loved ones, whatever it may be. So be comfortable letting go some of that control. Now, the next line that I wrote down on this topic was from another speaker who said, you have to empower your team to make critical decisions going to read that again. You have to empower your team to make critical decisions. That is one that I know I could be so much better at because as much as I have outsourced so many professions, right? I have an electrician, a plumber, a handyman, a general contractor, a landscaper, a cleaning team, you name it. As much as I do have all of these pieces in place and I've automated truly as much as I can, At the end of the day, when there is a big issue, it still goes through me. So even though I don't spend too much time, probably, I mean, less than an hour a day working on the short-term rental side of things, and that's across eight listings that I'm managing, I spend less than an hour a day, still, I still have to be on call 24-7 because if that big issue comes in, 
I'm the one who's on the hook for it. So that is one thing that I definitely know I could be better at and I need to start setting up something in place to where there is that point of contact and maybe somebody who, when there is a big issue, they can step in and they are empowered to make those critical decisions. So finding somebody that you can really trust to kind of make those big decisions when they need to be made. Look, you're not going to find somebody who would make the exact same call as you every single time. That doesn't exist. We're all different. We would all approach things differently, but you can still find somebody who would still handle it professionally and make it so much easier for you and just take such a weight off your shoulders. So that is definitely one that hit me. And again, that that line that I wrote down that one of the speakers said was, you have to empower your team to make critical decisions. They should be doing more than just deciding when baseboards need to be dusted or when your air filters need to be changed. You have to empower them to make these big decisions. And the last note I wrote down on this topic from one of the speakers was this line, growth in this business doesn't stop when you run out of deals. It stops when you run out of the capacity to lead. That is so big, you guys. I think so many of us get into Airbnb or STR with one or two properties. We all start somewhere. We all start small. And the concern in those early days, if you're trying to grow is, okay, how am I going to get to five properties? Once you have five, how am I going to get to 10? How am I going to get to 20 to 50 to 100? Whatever it might be. Let me tell you from experience that after you have the first couple in place, growth is not that hard. If you're trying to do arbitrage, at that point, you're more confident, you come off more confident to landlords, and landlords are going to see what you're already doing, and they trust you. If you're trying to do co-hosting, owners are already going to see what you're doing, and they'll trust you. If you're trying to get into ownership, hopefully you already have some capital or experience now, and you can do the Burr method to refinance and buy your next deal, or you know what you're looking for, you have contacts with realtors. Each deal does get easier and easier. What's tricky, though, is when those deals come, do you have an infrastructure in place to actually take them on and manage them? So many people that I met at the conference and talked to, it seemed like a recurring thing I heard was, I see these people on stage that are managing 100 properties, and I just don't know how I'm ever going to get to that. I can tell you that getting the actual properties is not what's going to hold you back. Again, once you have a little bit of experience, each deal gets significantly easier. Right now, I'm managing eight properties, and we're in the process of signing on five more for co-hosting. And it was really easy getting these five new properties to sign on. Having been managing eight already, I had no issues convincing these new owners that I knew what I was doing. I didn't do any marketing for these deals. It had nothing to do with me having a decent social media following literally nothing to do with that. I don't think these owners have even seen my Instagram account or anything. It was truly just word of mouth from the other owners. And the fact that these new owners who purchased in the area, they go on Airbnb trying to see their competition and see my name keep popping up on all the comparable listings to theirs. So it was like, oh, okay, who's this girl, Natalie? Let's see if she wants to manage for us. So getting these deals was stupid easy. What's the problem and what's holding us back where we are bottlenecked is getting the properties actually up and running. So this quote resonated with me so deeply. Growth in this business doesn't stop when you run out of deals. 
it stops when you run out of the capacity to lead. I feel that to my core right now. It is so overwhelming getting five properties set up at the same time. Each one is its own little gem and I do not have a streamlined process for how to get each one designed while still being unique. I don't want these properties to be copycats of each other. I want each one to have its own unique look and feel. So that's been tough coordinating five different designs, working with five different owners, training the cleaning team for five different properties. That's where I'm stuck right now. So that quote just really hit me hard. So I just want to remind anyone out there, if you felt the same way, which I know a lot of you have because I talked to you at the conference, if you are feeling stressed out about the potential of getting new deals and scaling in that sense, don't worry about that. That will come and that will come easily. Focus on right now, setting up a way where when these deals come, you can actually take them on. Because right now I'm at a point where If I had one more owner approach me trying to co-host their place, I would say I can't do it at this time. I am way too overwhelmed taking on these five more at the same time. I would have to say no. And that sucks. Like saying that out loud sucks. Thinking to myself that I would have to turn down opportunities because I don't have an efficient enough system. So I hope that that one resonates with you too. And that's definitely something I need to be working on moving forward. And I'm learning so much right now by signing on five properties at the same time. I'm learning a lot that I can hopefully share with you guys in future episodes of this show. But when those deals come in, how are you actually going to get them set up more efficiently? Now, the other big speaker takeaway was, of course, Mike's talk on day one on Tuesday about his whole story and just visualizing what your goals are going to look like. And if you were there, you, I don't even need to tell you anything. You already know how good it was. Um, I i have a confession. When he started his talk, it was a little bit too woo-woo for me, a little too new age. I am not one for manifesting or visualizing or any of that stuff. But I was like, okay, I'm here. Let's just be open-minded. Let's give it a chance. And I definitely tried to make the most of it. But okay, let me let me back up for those of you who weren't there. Basically on day one, Mike did a, in his keynote, he did a visualization exercise where he walked you through the steps of picturing your life, picturing yourself doing some day-to-day actions, feeling how real it was, paying attention to the sound of the floorboards as you're walking, what it sounds like when you open your refrigerator, on and on. And then you were supposed to apply that and visualize yourself having achieved your goals. And again, my goals weren't really pinned down at this point. So I tried to try to go along with it, but it didn't feel that real. I saw other people in the room literally crying and I was like, "Ugh, why can't I get there? I don't feel it that deeply. Day two, I somehow at one point caught myself daydreaming, wandering off, and I ended up doing this visualization exercise and I had to like physically shake myself out of it because I was literally about to cry. It became so real. Cry happy tears. Let me just clarify. Cry happy tears. It was so emotional and so moving. And I was going to tell you guys what I visualized in that moment here, but I think this episode is going to get too long if I get into that. So I think I'm going to drop a bonus episode this week of what I visualized and what I pictured as those goals and how I pictured myself. And 
I'm probably going to get really emotional when I do it, but if that sounds good to you guys and you can and you can bear that, stay tuned because I'm going to have a bonus episode this week where I go through what these two big dreams were, these two big goals that I had and um yeah, it literally almost brought me to tears. So, I'm I'm going to finish on that note and uh let's segue into my other takeaways from the conference because I am seriously going to get choked up on this and I would rather save it for when I'm in the in the right headspace to record that and get super super deep on it. But stay tuned this week for that. Now, let's switch gears and talk about what my big takeaways were just from networking, not from the speakers, but just from me talking to regular people there face to face and the connections I made. One thing that I definitely walked away with was just the realization that almost every single person's hosting Airbnb STR journey started by accident. Almost every single person said that they never set out to be an Airbnb host or have a vacation rental or do this full time. Almost every single person fell into an opportunity to do this, realized that they loved it and have since scaled up or were maybe just starting and were at this conference because they now wanted to scale up almost every single person. And that's how my journey started. And if you missed that or want to hear the whole thing, go back and listen to the episode titled My Airbnb Hosting Journey and the four mistakes I learned along the way. And that will walk you through exactly how I got thrown into all of this. It was genuinely really refreshing to hear that my story that, how do I phrase this? I was just as worthy of being there as anybody else. I have sometimes doubted that because I didn't go into this with a full-on business plan and a vision for how I was going to scale everything, I have definitely had imposter syndrome and wondered if I was you know, worthy of teaching about this and being where I'm at today. I definitely am, and you are too, because every single one of us This industry is just weird, and I don't think anybody sets out to make a career out of hosting. All of us fell into it in some weird way. We all have a unique story. I mean, literally every single person that I talked to this week, including the speakers, had a completely different way that they came into this. And that should be so encouraging. There's no right or wrong way to get into short-term rentals. And on that note, another big takeaway that I had from speaking with fellow hosts who were at the conference was that we do not all have to have the same goals and it's okay if those goals change. There were points where on stage, the speakers would say something like, hey, whose goal here is it to have $100 million and you know, hundreds of properties that you're managing and be able to travel. If that's your goal, that is great. And what was really cool about this conference was that I think it helped a lot of people realize that if those are your goals, you can achieve that through short-term rental. 100% it's doable. But honestly, that is not my goal. Like the thought of living my life traveling sounds miserable to me. I'm such a homebody. My goal would be to have enough money to just build my dream home. You know, maybe to some people having a hundred million dollars sounds glamorous. Truly to me, all I can think of is how much I would owe in taxes. Like 
I I have different goals than that, and that is okay. Just because the people on stage are telling you that there's one thing that they want, or all the people you're connecting with keep saying there's something that they want, if that doesn't resonate with you, that is fine. And I really encourage you, if you feel like you've been kind of caught up in keeping up with the Joneses or whatever it might be, and you feel like your goal is to own a luxury vehicle or own designer handbags, step back and think to yourself, is that really what you want? I don't want either of those things. Like, could not care less. I don't give a shit about cars. I like, I, all I know about cars is the color. I don't care about cars at all. I don't care about designer handbags at all. I don't own a single one. So just if, if you're seeing that people are, you know, aspiring for these quote unquote goals, step back and ask yourself if those really are your goals as well. Another thing too is that your goals can change. When I started doing Airbnb and realized the potential with it, I had a goal of just being able to co-host a ton of properties. And as soon as I realized that I had saved up enough that I could buy my own property, I had become much more comfortable with a slower growth, but with a prioritization on ownership rather than a faster growth with co-hosting. I've realized that ownership is much more aligned with what I want to do. I love the control of being able to design properties the way that I want. I just, for me, that that is my focus right now is taking on more with ownership rather than scaling up quicker with co-hosting. And that's okay. So realize too that your goals can change. And that was just kind of a resounding thing I found through talking to people. A lot of people felt like, oh, you know, I do arbitrage and I, is it okay for me to go into ownership? And it's, it's kind of funny that a lot of people felt like if you're doing one, you whether you're doing ownership, arbitrage, or co-hosting, I got the sense from a lot of people that they felt like if they're doing one, they kind of have to stay in that lane. You do not have to. So many people I talked to this week, including myself, do multiple, if not all three of those. So do not feel like you are pigeonholed into anything. You can pivot anytime you want. Your goals can change anytime that you want them to. So anyway, stay tuned for a bonus episode this week where I'm going to share what my big, big goals are with you guys. And again, Mike did such a good job leading us through a visualization. I'm not going to even attempt to do it because I will not do as good of a job as he did. But I do want to share with you just because I don't know, I love you guys. And I love hearing what other people are trying to pursue and what they're passionate about. So We're going to do a bonus episode this week where I will share all of that, but ultimately I just truly feel like I, this week really was life-changing. I know that's so cheesy, but I walked away with so many connections and not just like professional connections. I feel like I walked away with genuine friendships and a whole new perspective on my career and what I can achieve and also just comfort in knowing, like I said, that my goals do not have to be as big as a hundred million dollars. I feel a lot more comfortable establishing what I really want for myself and being okay with that. I don't feel any need to keep up with the Joneses and and have the goals that you see on social media. So those are my, my big, big takeaways from the S-Tear Wealth Conference. If they do this again next year, I will 100% be there. You guys better be there too. I'm telling you, it was so good. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm starting to ramble. So let's get into the rest of the show right now.
For this week's Airbnb quick tip, I want to remind you to add personality back into your listing. Going off of what we talked about were my speaker takeaways, right? So much of the speaker's focus was on automating your business and kind of detaching yourself from it so that you can focus on growing the business and not be in the day-to-day tasks of it. And while I do agree with that, and I think that that is a good mindset and headspace to go into your hosting journey with... I still think that first and foremost, this is the hospitality industry. And if you have found, maybe you're already crushing it with this automation game and delegating things, but if you have found that that's happening at the expense of those personal touches, it's time to go back and reevaluate. So here are a few simple things that you can do to add those personal touches back into your business. Because again, this is hospitality first, profit second. So one thing you can do, if any of you are using a logo as your Airbnb profile picture and using a business name, so for example, in my case, if instead of having my smiling face and saying this property is hosted by Natalie, if I had some sort of logo and said this is hosted by Palmer Vacation Rentals, scrap that delete that. I'm sure you love that logo and you spent a lot of time creating it or hired someone on Upwork. Too bad. Scrap it. Put a picture of your face or if you host this with your spouse, put a picture of both your faces together without sunglasses, looking at the camera straight on, smiling big. Don't have a sunset behind you that's making it dark and shadowy. Have your face up front and center. If you're using some little business name, ditch that. Put a personal name. People If they wanted to travel from some corporation, they would book a Hilton or Marriott. Airbnb is a people business. People are wanting to book from a host. So ditch the logos, ditch the company name, go ahead and put your smiling face there, show your pearly whites, show your eyes, put your name there, and just make sure that people feel like they are actually talking to a human. If any of your messaging is being taken care of by multiple people, make sure that you have set the tone correctly. If one of you always types with emojis and exclamation points and the other person just uses periods, get on the same page with your messages. It should always feel like every single communication with your guest is coming from one person from one host, maybe from two if you are hosting it as a couple or something, but sign, sign the messages as one, as one entity, be one solid front. Again, people want to talk to a host. They want to be staying in someone's home with personal touches. If they wanted that corporate feel, they would book a hotel. They came to Airbnb for a reason. So put personality and put life back into your listing. If you are trying to detach yourself from it and make it sound too corporate speaky, it's it's time to reevaluate. I am all for these automations and these ways of delegating and scaling up, but it still has to feel to your guest like it's you personally that they are hearing from. For this week's question of the week, I want to answer the question of how do I know if a market is too saturated for me to start my STR there? I'm picking this question this week because this was another one of the big talking points of the conference this week. The two founders, Mike and Bill, gave the example of some properties that they are doing in the Florida market. Specifically, one of them has a property in Orlando. 
Orlando, by all accounts on paper, is one of the most saturated markets in the country, if not the world. I just did a quick Google search, and in Orlando, it looks like there are about 2,000 Airbnbs and over 140,000 hotel rooms. That is a lot of competition. That is a lot of saturation if you don't know how to stand out. But Mike and Bill were making the point that I loved and could not agree with more. No market is too saturated with the right design and right property. I'm going to break down some numbers that Bill and Mike were sharing off of one of their Orlando properties. They said that at the time that they did one of their latest Orlando investments, They were comparing what the Orlando market looked like and what the top Airbnb was currently doing. So last year, the top performing Airbnb in Orlando did $170,000 gross. This year alone, their property has made $200,000. They launched it this year and it has made $200,000 in six months. When last year, the highest performing property did $170,000 gross annually. The key here is that you need to acknowledge that yes, the market is very saturated. So where is there a hole in the market that you can serve? I believe that this one Airbnb that's doing $200,000 so far this year is like a 10-bedroom place, if I remember correctly, and the design is unreal. If you can come in with something like that, there's still room for you to succeed. They found that in this market, yeah, there's 140,000 hotel rooms. There's already 2,000 other Airbnbs, but it was very hard to find places that fit huge, huge, huge groups of people. That is what was lacking in this market. So you come in with a 10-bedroom place, you're going to dominate. You just have to find what is still missing from your market. So just because it's technically quote-unquote oversaturated based on the number of properties in the area, there is still some niche in there that probably isn't completely saturated yet. You have to do your research and find that. And if you find that selling point, it doesn't necessarily have to be 10 bedrooms, maybe studio apartments, maybe tree houses. I don't know. It could be anything depending on the area you're in. But if you can find some niche in the area that's being underserved, it doesn't matter if the market itself seems saturated. If you can cater to that niche, you still have a way of getting in there and dominating the competition if you can find that one area where you will stand out. And this week on Am I the Airbnb Hole, we had a host, I will call him Jason, post in Again, one of the Airbnb Facebook groups I'm in, no surprise, it's always on Facebook, you guys, it's always on Facebook. We had a host post this, I just had a guest throw a shirt on my camera for the pool area. I messaged them to let them know to take off the cover. The cameras are not for watching live events, just if we need to go back and review footage due to an accident. I only noticed the notifications stopped going off for one camera, the others were still going. 
Should I go by and take the shirt off the camera myself through the backyard or leave it until they check out if they don't take it off the camera by the morning? They have two more nights to stay. Just checked in today. Haven't had any issues with other guests and the cameras. Um, Jason, what the hell are you doing, man? Ew. Why do you have why do you have cameras on your pool area? You guys, I just there's nothing you can say that will ever get me on board for this. I don't care what excuse you have. I'm not watching the live footage. It's just in case there's an accident and I need to review an incident. It's gross. It's weird. It's creepy. Get your cameras off of your jacuzzis, off your pool areas. God forbid you have them inside your house. If that's the case, we need to seriously talk. But your cameras can be in two places and that's it. You can have one on the front porch area facing outwards. And if you have a side door or side entrance somewhere, you can have one on that. You can put it on those entry points to the home. That's it. Why are your cameras on your pool? And I know, I already know some people are going to say, well, you know, hotel pools have cameras on them. It is very, very different to put cameras on a pool that has a hundred people that could potentially be in it, a public pool. In this case, it's the same as a private pool. And if there is a couple that's there and they want to make out or do whatever they want to do in the pool, you got to let them. Okay. If you have a bachelorette party of six girls or something that booked, you cannot have cameras on the pool. That is so creepy. So Jason, no, you cannot go over there and take the shirt off the camera. You are the Airbnb hole. Dude, this is gross. Stop it. Okay. And I look, I believe you that you don't sit there and watch the live footage. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is too creepy. And again, I know some of you out there are going to disagree with me on this one and just come up with a million excuses for why you need it for liability purposes. You don't get rid of it. It's gross. It's creepy. And if you really feel like you need a camera on your pool area, I don't think you are mentally equipped to host a listing with a pool. That's my two cents on that. So, uh, Jason, no, you cannot go over there and take down the shirt from the camera, but you can go over there and take down the camera. Okay. Okay. And on that note, I am going to finish recording and go take a long nap because like I said, I'm still catching up on sleep from Nashville. So if you need me, I will be sleeping for the next four days or trying to as much as I can with a three month old and an 18 month old. Love you guys. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.